Hi, it's me, Overreactor. Welcome to the next episode of Official Time Out with Overreactor. This is exciting. I feel like uh, I'm getting my passion back a little bit at a time. I know last time I talked to you guys, it's been really hard to get back into the old routines and and remembering what makes me happy during the global official timeout. Like I said before, I realized a lot of the things that made me unhappy. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. There are a lot of things that we would do as part of how life was. And the world is completely different now. And it's wild to me that such a shift has happened. And I think I think it's good. I think it's, I hope it's good. I try to look at the positive. Speaking of looking at the positive, I just found out how to see the reviews that people have given on Apple Podcasts, and I cannot believe that I didn't see them sooner. And so I figured I could read some of those to you guys first because, oh my gosh, there's so many like great ideas and feedback, and I am genuinely sorry that it's taken me this long to figure it out. But you know what? That's the past. This is the present. And soon, it will be the future. And the future is better for me knowing now. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Oh, God, this is a little embarrassing. But two years ago, somebody... Oh, does it say? Oh, it does. Okay, wow, this is great. So a user named CX8 dollar sign cx8 money you do such a great job can you branch off into rdcl rules and tests for the banked track ladies a comparison chart is available from rollercon that might be nice for those by traculas too i enjoy your style wow cx8 money sign thank you for that wonderful comment two years ago and i most certainly can branch off into the rdcl rules by Tracula. That is so funny. I love it. Thank you for the five-star rating two years ago. Also two years ago, Natalie879 says, I'm a longtime roller derby fan, but first-time skater, and this podcast has been super helpful. Thanks, Natalie879. <laughs> okay, two years ago. Oh my god, all of these are from two years ago. I'm so sorry, you guys, but I've feel like we're just going to work through this together, right? I'll stop apologizing. Okay. (laughs) This one's getting me. Okay. Espress, wait, Espresso Zealot. I thought it said Espress Oz Elot. And I'm like, is it like Espresso? I'm like, oh, it is Espresso. Espresso Zealot says, keep it up, please. (laughs) Rules are so important and so misunderstood. This is a great tool to combat that. Kudos, props, don't stop. Thanks. I won't, even if it did take a little bit to continue. All right. Calamity Wren says, just in time, I'm working on digging into the rules for NSOing and teaching new skaters. This podcast came at a perfect time. I already learned something and posted it to my league's officials and new skaters. Thank you for doing this. Aw, Calamity Wren, you're welcome. Wow. Wow, that's really, really awesome. Thank you for doing that. Okay, let's see. Great cast, says C. C. Mangonia. C. Magonia. C. Mango N. I. A. C. Mangonia. I think, I think I'm saying that right. One of the ways I said it hopefully was right. <laughs> It says, great cast. First two episodes did a great job explaining dry material in an entertaining way. Looking forward to more. 
that's the goal, right? Is to make boring things fun, right? And finally, SBR221 says, great information. Overreactor is so knowledgeable and well-spoken that you can actually learn about the sport. Great podcast. Love ya. Oh, wait, they didn't say love ya. They said love it. I was about to say I love you too. I love it too. How's that? (laughs) So, oh my gosh. Okay, well, I love that. So if any of you guys want to go and write a review now that we are in season three, you know, let me know. Let me know some feedback. I love the suggestion about doing some RDCL rules. I actually have been really trying to think of like what content to do next. And I have a lot of fun ideas. And I know last time I said I could start with the new education program that they were doing. So I wanted to, I did want to look at that and see if maybe that's a good place to start. So anyway, thank you guys for rating and reviewing the podcast. I did want to say that. Okay. I do want to start with the beginner curriculum because I feel like since you know, there was a big hiatus from the sport for every league in the world that with everything starting up again, there's probably a lot of new skaters and people are doing new skater intakes. I see that on Facebook and Instagram a lot that a lot of leagues are, you know, training the next up and coming batch of new skaters. And so I think this is really great that the WFTDA has some beginner skater curriculum. And this is found at static.wftda.com slash beginner dash curriculum slash this dash is dash roller dash derby dot PDF. Probably if you go to beginner curriculum at WFTDA, there's a link for that. So in the table of contents, here are the things that we will be going over as we read this. The principles of the curriculum, participant centered approach the curriculum, how to use this curriculum, development stages, introduction, exploration, development, proficiency, and then references and acknowledgments. So here are some key roles referenced in this document, and it's some definitions. A participant is anyone engaging in the sport of roller derby in any capacity. A skater is anyone on skates while engaging in roller derby that's a player or a skating official. A player is a skater who plays the game of roller derby. A coach or trainer is a person who teaches skills, tactics, and gameplay. A skating official is a skater responsible for assessing and enforcing penalties. A non-skating official are non-skaters who perform a range of non-skating roles to ensure the smooth running of a roller derby game. In one of the podcast reviews that I read to you earlier, someone mentioned that they are training to be an NSO, and that is short for non-skating official. And they're the ones that do things like scorekeeping, penalty box, time, jam whistle start, penalties, things like that. Let's see what this next page says. A foundation curriculum for introducing new participants to roller derby. Supported and research focused on a safe and holistic introduction to roller derby play. Recommendations of good practices to support leagues in developing beginner programs for skaters and officials. When bringing new participants into the sport, the WFTDA recommends that participants engage in roller derby at their level rather than limiting participation to one version of roller derby gameplay. You know, this is my side note here. As a former teacher and educator, this is important. It's, you know, you have to differentiate your curriculum and work with each student 
at the level they're at and help them grow with a foundation. So that's really cool. Okay, going back to reading. This curriculum creates opportunities for learning, play, and engagement at every level without focusing on defined timelines for successful completion. It provides progression pathways to set participants up for success and is flexible and adaptable to different contexts and circumstances. That's good. I like that. Leaks can decide on coaching, testing, or selection processes based on their own needs and context. The WFTDA supports leagues by providing a consistent structure, resources for coaching based on good practice, and supports participants by providing a clear view of their development path. This guide provides recommendations for how to develop and bring new participants into the sport, a curriculum for developing progression and a clear understanding of different levels of skills that promote early contact and gameplay in a safe environment, and guidance on assessing game level readiness. Please note, the WFTDA is not setting baseline skills for entering into a WFTDA-sanctioned game. Safe skill recommendations for playing roller derby are now included in the WFTDA risk management guidelines. (gasps) Okay, so I need to make a note of this because... We will need to review the WFTDA risk management guidelines since there have been updates to it. Okay, I made that note. I do want to just say really fast that I'm feeling like the nerves that I felt when I first started doing this podcast in, what was it, 2019, I think, 2018? Oh my. And I remember being so nervous, but then I, but then I got into the groove after a few episodes, right? And then it was like, oh my God, here I am making like crazy songs and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I'm just being honest. I am feeling a little, a little nervous. It's been a long time since I've, you know, done this, but I'm not nervous in a bad way. It's just like, I forget how weird it is to to talk to people, I think. (laughs) Okay. 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 (laughs) Here we go. Okay, moving on. WFTDA member leagues responsibilities. So member leagues are responsible for creating a program that works for them, identifying appropriate level opponents that match what Derby looks like on their level. Oh, that makes sense. You know, you don't want to have your team skating against someone at a much different level because that would be crazy. Uh, They are also responsible for making a decision for when a participant is eligible for gameplay. They're responsible for training policies and procedures, for example, coach, team selection, return to contact play, etc. And they're responsible for supporting their coaches and training staff. Those seem like very reasonable expectations. The principles of this curriculum. One size does not fit all. Derby looks different at different levels of the game and for different bodies, roles, and participants. That's one thing I really do like about roller derby is that there really is no one particular body type. I feel like I've said this before that you, if you hear ballerina, you have a particular body type in your mind. Or if you hear tennis player or soccer player or gymnast, uh, track star, wrestler, you know, all of these sports, you know, typically because of the muscles used or this or that and the roles people play are typically about the same body type. I, I guess that could be different. Like in football, you've got your running backs and your quarterbacks and your I don't know, kickers and so I guess there are different like types, but even still, you know, what I'm trying to say is that everybody type has a benefit in this game 
And it's really very inclusive, and I like that. Okay. Uh, the principle of the curriculum, one size does not fit all. Gameplay at every level. The WFTDA recognizes that every skater and official progresses at their own pace. This should not be a barrier to the participation in the game of roller derby. Aw, I like that. And I mean, I know, I know that's true, but that statement that every skater and official progresses at their own pace. And, and I felt like I was really getting to the top of my game two years ago. And I really feel like I've, I don't know, just fallen back a bit. And, and that happens and I can get back into it and I could be at the top of my game again. Yeah. Okay. The next principle, roller derby is a safe space. Roller derby should be a safe space for participants to train and build a love for the sport. Participants should feel confident that they can be themselves and also know that their coaches are mitigating injury through dynamic risk assessments and safe coaching. It really should be a safe place. And and it's like, why am I so scared to just go back to practice? Why am I so scared to just put on my skates again? I went to the park yesterday and I brought my skates with me because we've got this new park with this really awesome sidewalk that's perfect for skating. And I see people rollerblading and roller skating and skateboarding and biking on it. And so I thought I could do that. But then I got nervous and I didn't end up skating. So I'm going to make a challenge to myself that I'm going to air to you guys that before I record the next episode, I will put my skates on at the park. I'll at least do that. I can do that. And then we'll see what happens. The next principle of this curriculum is we play one game, we train one game. We are a community that learns, works, and plays together. All participants are part of the training environment, whatever their role. Yeah, it's like um, in a theater production. Everybody has to work together because what good is it if the actors know their lines if the lights don't work? What good is it if, if the lights are working but there are no costumes? You know, like everything has to come together. Okay, so let's dive deeper into the participant-centered approach. A participant-centered approach means we coach people, not sport. We focus on listening to individuals, providing clear information for them, and creating a safe environment for people to take part. We understand the varying needs, expectations, and aspirations of participants coming into roller derby. We support participants in developing their ability to self-assess and plan their progression. In this way, they can take responsibility for their own success. We make a space for adaptation and exploration rather than prescribing outcomes. The coach is not the sole source of knowledge. We look at the whole participant rather than at component parts or skills. We create in safe spaces. This approach increases participant engagement in their training and leads toward a more positive experience for both coaches and participants. You know, I really, I really like the way they worded this because in my experience and from what I know of a lot of my friends who do derby, it, it seems like people come into roller derby for, I mean, a lot of different reasons. Sometimes people are just very athletic and just really good at it and are like, yeah, I can rock this. And I think for a lot of people, it's, um, it's a way to come out of their shell, to feel more bold and empowered, to be a part of a community that is encouraging and supportive. And yeah, that's, that's what it is. So how do we build safe spaces? Assessments and progression are built on conversation rather than tests. Participants 
have the space to fail and the support to try again. Coaches and trainers are intentionally inclusive and are aware of their language and biases. Participants are set up for success and are not thrown in the deep end. Development and pathways are clear and change and choices are transparent. Achievements are celebrated. You know, I really like this because safe space is much more than, you know, physical safety. There has to be an emotional safety as well. And it's true what they said that people are much more creative and can accomplish much more when they feel safe. So this is really cool. Okay, let's take a little break and then we'll jump into the next section, which is participant-centered development. Okay, and we're back. Let's go into participant-centered development. This is roller derby. Oh, they're just citing the name of this manual. This is roller derby. (laughs) It's in all caps, so I thought it was just like, this is roller derby. Let me try this again. This is roller derby takes a holistic approach to participant development, looking at the whole of an individual and their progression rather than specific skills. Participant development is built on three pillars of roller derby, skating, gameplay, rules, and safety. As participants reach the top of each pyramid, they can continue to develop their skills by adding speed, complexity, and force. Every participant's path is different. Moving through stages on one pyramid more quickly than others, moving up and down the pyramids, participants may switch or add roles mid-development. Each journey is unique. Engaging with the game as a player, official, or other participant is central to all development. No participant has to reach the top of a pyramid to play roller derby. This curriculum aims to create a program framework that gives all participants the freedom and flexibility to develop their own path and gives coaches and trainers the support they need to train individuals, not just the sport. So I'll describe this image. It's two circles, an inner circle and an outer circle. And on the inside of the small circle in the inner circle, it says types of derby training. And throughout the circle, it says full contact, land, minimal contact, and stop and contact. Stop and contact, minimal contact, land, and full contact. Okay. And then on the outer circle, there are three triangles or pyramids. One is gameplay, one is skating, and one is rules and safety. And between rules and Rules and safety and gameplay, the word complexity is on the circle. Between gameplay and skating, the word speed is on the circle. And between skating and rules and safety, force is on the circle. So then, oh, this is so cool. I really like this this graphic image. This is really great. Okay, so let me describe this more enhanced image of the one I just described to you with the circles and the pyramids. So each pyramid has five levels or tiers. So for gameplay, the very first, the foundation of gameplay is learning how the game works. That's what we're doing here, you guys. Talking about the rules. (laughs) That's fun. Then moving up, understanding your role in the game. At level three, awareness of the game around you. Level four, modifying your play to the game. And the top level of gameplay is constructing gameplay. For skating, the base level is learning how to move. 
then moving up, understanding how to control your movements. Level three, adapting to and self-correcting movement. Number four, achieving consistency in movements. And the top level is creating and connecting movements. I like that. I, I like how they broke that down. Okay. Rules and safety. My favorite. Mm. The base level is learning how to mitigate risk. Level two, moving up, is understanding the principles of the rules. Mm, That's my favorite part. The finer sentence has never been written. (laughs) Uh, Level three, modifying play to follow rules and avoid penalties. Okay, never mind. I like that sentence better. Level four, analyzing safety and play in relation to the rules. Oh my God, it gets better and better. And at the top level... (gasps) Using rules to construct safe and legal play. Wow. It's, um, (laughs) you know how sometimes people say that like, oh my God, I just love going to Office Depot to look at like all of the organizational things. Oh, the container store. Oh my God, I love it. You know, that's how I feel about rule talk. Learning how to mitigate risk. Understanding the principles of the rules modifying play to follow the rules and avoid penalties, analyzing safety and play in relation to the rules, and using the rules to construct safe and legal play. Oh, yeah. That's hot. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right, here we go. Moving on. The role of the coach or trainer. Oh, and this one has a sub-note which says, Leagues may use different names or structures for managing their training. They may be individuals or groups. They may have additional responsibilities, such as rostering. This curriculum cannot account for every league structure. We use the term coach or trainer to specifically refer to the individual or group with the responsibilities listed above. I think that's really fair. That's a fair statement. Okay. Coaches and trainers are responsible for creating a training narrative that suits the needs of their league and of their participants. Coaches and trainers are responsible for planning and running sessions to support that training narrative. Wait, what? Okay, so they have to create a training narrative that suits the needs of their leagues and their participants, and they need to plan and run the sessions that support the narrative that they created. Okay, that makes sense. WFTDA supports participant-centered coaching, which means that coaches and trainers need to take into account the development of individuals as well as that of their wider group. It is not appropriate to stop an individual participant's progression based on one specific skill or one performance. Coaches are expected to use discretion. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like if anybody knows, you know, the skater would be their coach or trainer or this, I mean, obviously the skater themselves. And I would think a good coach would, you know, have those conversations. Okay, let's see. Coaches and trainers make decisions about an individual's participation and next steps for progression. Are they stable enough to skate in proximity with others without impeding their skating? Do they have the ability to safely recover from a fall? Are they controlled enough to move to higher impact chest blocking? Coaches and trainers also make decisions about training a group's trajectory. Would reviewing stance improve their stops? Would improving lateral acceleration help with their jammer catches? These decisions lead to adjustments to the training narrative and how sessions are delivered. So it says that coaches and trainers, you know, need to use discretion. And and on the side, it says, what is discretion? Discretion is used to make decisions in coaching where there is no clear answer or quantitative measure to determine next steps. 
Discretion should be informed by observation, coaching experience, understanding of the individual participants, the context within which a skater is developing their skills. This curriculum provides a baseline framework that a coach or trainer can build from using their discretion to add their own parameters or adjust as needed to meet the needs of their league. Okay, participant-centered assessments. Open communication is encouraged between coaches and participants to create an environment of cooperation and transparency. In order to support participants in taking ownership for their own progression, assessments should be a conversation between a participant and their trainer or coach. Using the development pyramid as a framework and the objectives for each stage in the curriculum stage as a guideline, work together to identify where the participant is in their development. Encourage participants to make their own assessments and track their own progression. Avoid trying to check off a list of skills. Instead, focus on the whole participant and where they fit into the game. How do they feel they are performing in their scrimmages? As a coach, is this reflected in what you see? What skate skills or rules knowledge will help with their development to improve their ability to work with speed, force, and complexity? These are good questions. And here is a quote on the side. One of my favorite things about being a coach is being there when a skater learns what it truly means to be empowered, empowered to use their body, to take space, to fill a room with their voice, giving them the right to define their own success and supporting them to map their own path, to assess their own achievements is the most empowering thing a coach can do. I don't know why I gave the coach that voice. Just, it just happened. All right, here we go. When assessing skill in gameplay, look at the three defining elements of gameplay progression. Use these elements to help players describe their current skill level and use the same language to share your thoughts with them. And there is a sub note to this phrase. It says, bear in mind other elements to consider when given feedback. Example, tactical mind, leadership skills, listening skills. Okay, so it seems like it's focusing on giving feedback in a way that's maybe more universal throughout leagues. Okay. So with complexity, here are some example questions. How complex are the strategies in gameplay? Are they able to adapt as the situation changes? Are they looking to others to explain decisions? Do they understand how their position impacts tactics? Force. How hard are the hits? How strong are the drives? Are they able to recover from the blocks they receive? Are they able to deliver blocks that impact gameplay? Are they able to catch the jammer at speed and maintain stability? Speed. How quickly does the gameplay itself move? How rapidly are decisions being made and executed? Are they able to keep up with the speed of gameplay? Are they able to get where they need to be in a sufficient amount of time? Are they able to make decisions quickly? For more support on having an assessment conversation, use the development map that accompanies this curriculum. Okay, so the next section is the curriculum, but I am going to save that for next time, the curriculum and development strategies. You guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Official Time Out with Overreactor. And I promise to report back on the promise that I made to you about at least putting my skates on at the park. And then we'll see what happens. Once the skates are on my feet, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But at least I could get the skates on, right? I could do this. I can get back into this. I can get my passion back, right? Yeah. 
as always, you can find me on Instagram. That's overreactor. If you would like to reach out to me, you can send me an email. That's overreactor at gmail.com. O-V-A-R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com. Let me know your stories. If you have something you want to share, if you, if you want to help me not feel so alone in my struggles of, you know, fighting the lack of motivation to reconnect with my passions and things like that, you know, you can help me out by letting me know I'm not completely alone in that feeling. If you overcame a struggle to get back into it and now you're in it, share your success story with me, please. (laughs) We can do this together, right? It's a fun sport and I really love being an official and I love looking at the rules and I know it is such like a, a weird thing, not weird, but just it's very unique from what I can understand to be so into the rules, but I like it and I like that you like to listen to me talk about it. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll talk at you guys later. Bye.